0: My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here at Hope Community Church in, uh, in Columbia Heights. i got a couple of things I'm excited to share with you uh, just as we get started here before we really get into the text and the sermon. First, um, a place we love to celebrate every year is our annual meeting. Um, and if you've ever been to a church's annual meeting other than Hope, I think ours might be a little different, but um, maybe not. Um, all of our locations, we have three locations for our church. One that meets downtown right now in in Minneapolis, one that meets downtown in St. Paul right now and and right here. You're here at the third one in Heights. And we will meet all together. Um, The downtown location is hosting it on Tuesday, August 16th. From 7 to 9, there's a dessert potluck, so bring a a dessert. Um, And uh, one year, I think we had like all brownies, 98% brownies, which was an exciting year. Someone should track that. We should do a study on like what happens every year. Uh, it's a great opportunity not just to hear um, some things that have happened in the past year and celebrate, but also just to be with one another and to even look forward and pray for the year to come. And so it's an opportunity to hear what's happened to other locations, uh, eat dessert and uh, pray for our church. Also, uh, it is kind of our annual business meeting. And so if you come the first uh, bit while people are having dessert, if you'd like to hear uh, more in depth about finances and all those things, uh, you can hear that too. It's a great opportunity, I think, just to come together. I'm always really encouraged by it because I'm reminded of all that God's been doing and where we're going um, that day. So I want to encourage you to come to that. One of the exciting things we're going to celebrate there, which we officially can say it's all done, all the books are done, is that we met our budget this year, which is really exciting. Um, in a year that, uh, in its last few years that have been uh, kind of uncertain in, in many areas of life, um, this year, um, through many, many generous people, all of you, and people across Hope, um, we've met our budget, which is really incredible, actually, really encouraging. So I uh, just want to celebrate that, too. Another thing I'm excited to celebrate is uh, just a few days ago, our very own Michaela and Nathan got married. We want to celebrate that. You can clap for that. Uh, they got married. It might be one of the coolest places I've ever married someone. We got, like, we're on the cliffs uh, in the North Shore. It was pretty pretty magical. If I had taken a few steps back, I would have been a goner. A friend of mine I actually told him we were doing this and he said, just don't die. That's all you have to do. It's like, oh, thanks for the encouragement. We're uh, really excited for them. And when you see them, uh, make sure you say, hey, and give them a high five and a hug and uh, thrilled for their marriage and uh, all that God's going to be doing. I encourage you to just join all of us in praying for them. Uh, maybe even ask them when you see them, hey, how can we pray for you? If you've uh, ever been married or been around people who are married, prayer is something that they need. So I um, encourage you to do that. One of the things that happened at the wedding, um, it was just really small, a few, a few family were there, um, is that um, I got to meet um, a grandparent and uh, really quickly we started talking. He was very uh, open to share about his life. And he had shared that recently he had uh, found out that he had cancer and it was pretty serious. And he said that has kind of changed life, like direction of life and what we're doing and how retirement looks. Uh, And I said, oh, well, how are you doing with all that? And he said, I've never been closer to Jesus in my life uh, since, since I heard about this. He said, it still sucks, but I'm so thankful I'm so close to Jesus. And I thought, wow, that's a kind of cool response. Uh, I, I think obviously he kind of knew probably that I was a pastor since I just officiated a wedding uh, and knew, knew that I'd probably be okay with that, him sharing that. And he said, I, I just love I get to share that with so many people uh, and that this suffering through this and all the uh, unknown, he said, learning like how out of control, uh, how out of my control life really was has only caused me to grow closer to Jesus. And he said, she kept sharing stories of friends who encouraged him in that and all those things, um, uh, which really helps us think about what we're going to think about today. Um, I've been thinking all week about this passage and what we're going to look at and what suffering looks like. And then throughout the week, I was kind of always thinking about that. Like people I'm encountering, I'm thinking like, I wonder how they deal with suffering. How do, how do I think about suffering? And then I met this grandfather and he tells me that suffering has, has brought me closer to Jesus. And it makes think how, how, we, how does he get there then? Is it just because he's older and like wiser and he's lived through things? What makes a person respond in that way to a really terrible thing, a, a, a thing that just shows off the brokenness in the world? You know, we all have many of those things that we would say are, are, uh, cause us to suffer from simple things like a broken bone. That's just a physical thing that we hopefully heals to things like broken hearts that often feel like they don't heal. Seeing suffering around us from others, or maybe even to ourselves, we just see a lot of brokenness, right? Sin has caused a lot of brokenness in our world that can change us. It really does change us. And I think the gospel changes how it changes us. So when you ask someone how, how suffering has changed them, you might get different results. Even if you don't ask them, I don't know how often you say, hey, how has your suffering changed you? Uh, you might just witness it. I know in my own life, it can lead me to Bitterness and, and anger often. Sadness, it, it can cause me to shut out people or things. Often suffering is, is how I make my decisions on what I'm gonna do next. I'm not gonna do that again because that hurts or I am gonna do that again. It doesn't hurt or I gotta be careful of that or even the things I'm really passionate about sometimes become making sure no one else has to go through that. Suffering also has caused me in the same way as, as the grandfather I met has caused me to be thankful it has caused me to learn how to endure hard things. And so this is really a foundational question that's asked in the world. If you, uh, when I went to college, I went to college for a comparative study of religion. So I got to meet lots of people who practice different types of religion, different types of worldviews. And this is really the core question that many of them had. That's really the core question as we met and talked through what they believed, this is where it, it got to. It got to what is a problem in the world And so what is your religion or your worldview? How does it solve that problem? And many times the answer to what was the problem was suffering or some version of the the brokenness around us, the pain. And so there's many different ways to solve that suffering or that pain or the brokenness or solve the problem with the people who are causing it. In fact, there's multiple religions that the goal is to just figure out how to to be able to ignore pain. If you can get to the point of not not, a, not feeling pain, you've reached the pinnacle. In Christianity, it's different. And that's what my hope today is that we get an opportunity to look at what does it look like to respond to suffering? How does Jesus respond to suffering? Um, I think this is hopefully encouraging. I've been encouraged this week to look at the reality of this. And also I've asked many hopesters, uh, a, lot of, a lot of you, kind of how you deal with this. And I'm excited to share with you some of that I've learned just this week in asking that question. So we are in a series, not on suffering, but a series going through the story of the Bible in 16 verses. We're taking 16 stops through the Bible uh, to, hopefully, to hopefully give ourselves maybe a reminder or maybe for the first time, what are some of the kind of moments throughout Scripture that, that tell the whole story of the gospel, the, whole, the bigger story, not just Jesus died on a cross, but the whole story to better understand why that is such an incredible moment in the story of who God is. And so we've got to go through a bunch of these stops already. We're already all the way around today to the suffering servant. And we're doing this as a way to, to help ourselves continue to, to read scripture and, and maybe even see the bigger picture. And also, I think, help us continue to be pointed to Christ um, as we read scripture and as we go about our day. So a few things as we just go real quick. We're gonna make some stops here. We started with creation as God creates all things and it's very good and it shows off our very good God, and he creates human beings in his image. He creates us to be a blessing. He creates us to care for the things around us and care for each other and to be with him. So those key things, right? For us to be a blessing, to be with him, to love God and love those around us well. Um, It doesn't work real well or for very long. And Adam and Eve, the first of the people, decide to turn from God. They're encouraged by a serpent, Satan who comes and says, does God really care about you? Does does he really not want you to eat from this tree? And they decide to be disobedient and think maybe we don't need God. Maybe God's holding something back from us. Maybe we could have that and do that on our own, get through it on our own. The theme we'll see throughout all of scripture. So they eat from the fruit and sin and death enter into the world. And right as that happens, God makes a promise. He says, "It's, it's not gonna be good. Death has entered and sin has entered. You've separated yourself from me. You're turning away from me. But he makes a promise that he would come back and redeem, that he's gonna stick with his people and that one day Satan might bruise the heel of the one who will rescue them, but that person will crush his head. And so there's this great, uh, like kind of first gospel we hear that, God is gonna take care of this. There is gonna be redemption. And then we start hearing these great stories, this great narrative that we've maybe, many of you've heard as you've grown up in the church that continue to point us to the same thing. We see sin in the world, people turning from God and God comes to people, often people that we wouldn't have picked, often sinners and broken people, well, always sinners, broken people. He comes to Abraham and says, I'm gonna bless the world through you. Abraham was not worshiping God. He was a nomad and he says, I'm gonna make you someone who who is... uh, someone to look up to in their faithfulness to me and someone who has land, who has a family, who's established. And so God is gonna make his name known through Abraham. Through Abraham's family, the tradition continues that God comes to them and says, I'm gonna make uh, this king come, the king who's gonna finally rescue my people and it's gonna go through the line of Judah, who's in the line of Abraham. And we see in there that uh, that family, God's family becomes enslaved in Egypt And uh, maybe you've heard this story where uh, God's people, uh, Moses goes to the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh says, no, a bunch. And God shows off his power. He actually shows off how he has power over all uh, what they think are the gods of Egypt. And the the last plague he brings, the last showing of his power, he says, I'm gonna kill all the firstborn, which would be Pharaoh and all these important people, unless you're willing to sacrifice this Innocent lamb, and put the blood over your door. And so there's this event we call the Passover where death passes over God's people because of their obedience to him in that sense. And then he rescues them out of slavery. They, they go through the desert. Remember, they get to the Red Sea. And again, they're like, we can't do this. We're stuck. And then God parts it. Again, God makes a way for them over and over and over. We see that then forever celebrated within God's people. His, the Jewish people still meet every year to, to celebrate this Passover event when God, rescued them and made them free. In that, we see the law created. God comes and says, hey, I want, there's a certain way I want you to live. And if you're unable to live by these standards, then uh, if, you, if you can't live this way, you'll be my treasured possession. But if not, uh, the penalty is death. And the law comes to kind of indicate to us, to say to us, hey, um, you can't do it again. I'm the one who will do it. I'm the one who will make a name. I need you to rest and cling to me. The law over and over tells us, I'm not going to live up to this. I need a God who can put an end to death and sin. And in that, they raise up a king, King David, uh, uh, who is one of the, the greatest of kings, but still not nearly the king that they need. And it's, God says, through this line, is still the same family line, I'm going to establish a kingdom that will last forever. And finally, the truest, best, right king will come and establish his kind of kingdom, not just your kind of kingdom. That's where we find ourselves today. So if you can feel this build up, there might be anticipation by God's people this time of like, there's gonna be a king and he's gonna come. He's gonna be victorious. God's promising this king who's gonna save us. He's gonna rescue us. It's gonna be so good. There'd be kind of, for me, there'd be this image of this mighty king, right? That's gonna conquer. There'd be a story that I couldn't wait for the king who, who ran into battle, and un- unscathed took out all the enemy and comes back and we celebrate and he tells the stories. And for years and years, we hear the story of the, the mighty king who went into battle uh, and destroyed all of the enemy and is powerful and strong and no one could mess with him. And kids would have action figures and they like, my king's better than your king. You could never mess with my king. You could never touch my king. I think that's just like this built into this strength. And that really is what happens. God's people over and over are looking for this one who would overthrow and make their kingdom great and their name great, which we see over and over, right? About their name. And today we hear a prophecy uh, that says something different. It says uh, this king is gonna come and they're gonna suffer. it's, It's not gonna look like he rolls into town and takes out the bad guys and then establishes his throne. It actually is that, but not how you think it's gonna be. This kingdom looks different. This mighty king who's coming is gonna look much more like a slain lamb who's been sacrificed than a mighty king with his armor on and his battle stories. This king will actually be one who uh, will do this alone as his people abandoned him. In fact, some of his people yell for him to be crucified And so today we look at the suffering servant and this different kind of king, this different kind of rescuer that we have and it comes in a very different way than we maybe expect. And so today we look at the suffering servant. We look at Isaiah 53, the Lord has laid on him the inequity of all of us. Today we're gonna look at just this suffering idea. Um, And so usually when we're talking about the gospel, we don't just stop and like Jesus died on a cross, have a good week. Uh, we, we share about the, the incredible news that he rose from the dead. But next week, we're going we're gonna to look at this great resurrection that's promised. Today, we're just going to sit a little bit in the suffering. And, and the, the good news that our God is a suffering servant and not just a king who rolls into town and uh, kicks butt. But, um, so next week, we'll look at this resurrection. You might be feeling that today like, hey, could you get to the exciting part of the resurrection? Uh, we might not a lot. Um, and so prepare yourself for that. I think, I think we'll be encouraged though. And so this passage comes out of Isaiah and this, this moment when a prophet, a person who God's speaking through, comes and is like, I want to talk to my people and I'm going to use this person. And it comes, the, the verse that we're looking at is uh, this last one, this, the end here of, of Isaiah 53.6. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The story we hear over and over and over and over in scripture, the the story that started it with the fall and still is happening. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. We have turned away from God and there's a penalty for that. And that's death. And he says, there's one who's coming who all of that sin, all that debt is gonna be put on him so that these sheep who've walked away can again be with their shepherd. I want you to hear the whole passage. This is one... That maybe when it was told, people might have still been thinking there's just a king who's going to come, who's going to do this. But us on this side of the cross, this seems pretty clear. Now, this is incredible. So many years before Christ has even come, look at the words that describe this. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and he held him in low esteem, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. We are all like sheep who've gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. You hear, can you even picture Maybe the passion that last week. Can you picture even that, that day where Jesus is, is uh, mocked? People turn away from him. They even say like, we thought you were God. They, they put him on a cross. They, they whip him and put him on a cross. He's bloody and broken and, and suffocates on a cross with other criminals. All for us so that our wounds would be healed and that peace would be brought to us. This terrible chaos not peace brought to him so that we would have peace. This incredible reality of this suffering servant. I think it's really important we don't just say like, oh yeah, 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 I've heard that, that Jesus has suffered. That's that's not good. But to understand the person who is coming to rescue us, our God himself is a suffering servant. I think it's important that we are really careful how we view this person, that we sit in this reality for a minute. In a, in a place, in a culture, we get really excited about uh, like people in power being regular people. When like on the cover of, of magazines, when you walk into Target, it's the only place to see magazines, right? Because I don't I get them anymore. We, uh, you hear stories like, did you know this celebrity eats hot dogs? Oh my gosh, they eat at McDonald's? Crazy, they're just regular people. Anytime you meet like a famous person, that's like the thing you tell your friends, they were like a regular person they had eyeballs and they like breathed and they had a regular phone. Can you believe that? We both have iPhones. I thought celebrities got different iPhones. We get excited. Like I have, remember a friend saying at our, at our company picnic this week, my boss wore flip-flops. Can you believe my boss wears flip-flops? I was like, not real. I mean, <laughs> it's warm out and <laughs> there's something about We view these people uh, and some of the, we're we're those people too, right? As if like there's a superhuman or a a, a greater thing. And we get amazed when they've just come and like humbled themselves to flip-flops, right? I hear this all the time that people say, my pastor drives a 2004 Scion XB hatchback. Can you believe he's just a regular guy? They say, yeah, I'm I'm a regular guy. I drive an 04 Scion. I mean, it does put me like a little higher than most, but It's this, it's right with this feeling we get, we love this. I think there's something in us that loves it, right? We love when people who feel like they're powerful and big and and above us feel like normal like us. There's something deep within us that loves that because that's the story of the gospel is a God who in like times a million does that who comes our creator, the one who made all of us, made the world, sustains the world, keeps each of us alive. Right at this moment, just the people in the room, uh, we're breathing and our hearts are beating because of this creator. And he steps down from heaven, humbles himself, is willing to suffer on a cross so that we could have life. That's, that alone should be like, you go home and go, that doesn't make sense. I, I even turned... I, from him, I'm not even worshiping him. While I'm still turning away from him, he comes and all of my sin is laid on him. He didn't become a mighty warrior. He didn't become some political juggernaut who, who, took, who won all the elections and became king or ruler. He didn't become like a successful carpenter. He didn't, build, he didn't like start the greatest carpentry business ever. Jesus didn't like, isn't the founder of Home Depot, right? He, he's not an elite athlete. I mean, I guess we don't really know how fast he ran. I assume if he wanted to, he could have ran really fast. (laughs) I'm sure someone challenged him to a foot race at some point. Because right, if I say, man, this guy's coming and he's going to take care of the biggest problem in the world, I would assume one of those things. And instead, he's the, the King of kings and Lord of lords and he suffers. Not because he was guilty of sin, but because we were. And he wanted to pay for us, a servant, our suffering servant for you and me and this family he pays our debt, makes us free so that we could be called family. And that's, that's the gospel. That's his good, good news. This kingdom that's so different than any kingdom I would build. And this is why we're a church. So that we can gather and remind ourselves of this. I think all week I'm reminded of other ways of success that end up not actually being as successful and Today, we're reminding ourselves of this servant that in the story of scripture, they're being told he's coming. We get the benefit of he's been here and he'll come again. They are waiting for this king to come. And hope um, uh, we use, we talk about this is kind of our, what we do. If someone says, hey, what do you guys do at your church? Uh, I would say, well, we try to be gospel. We try to understand the gospel in community and that community is on a mission together. So there's this great thing called the gospel. It's just good, the good news that we just heard, right? We just heard about this God who's willing to come and rescue us and save us. And we do that together. It's not just on our own. And then together, we're also on a mission. That's important. We don't just hang out and talk about it and say, "Like this is really cool and wait for Jesus to return, but there's a mission for us. And so today I want to just take an opportunity to think maybe what does suffering look like for us? So if, if that's true of our King and the one we worship, the one we gather to talk about each week, the one we we look to for all of our hope, then what does suffering look like for us? And that's where I just started asking a lot of you and friends, hey, how does the gospel change suffering for you? What does the gospel look like as we remember the gospel and then we do it in community uh, and we do it on mission? What does suffering look like kind of in this? How does suffering affect these categories? So that's my hope now. I just want to share with you some things that some of you have shared and some others that i that I found shared in some passages, I think, that show what is the, how does the gospel change suffering? How does a Christian suffer differently knowing that we follow and are even filled with the same spirit that filled the suffering servant who had come? If the one who leads us suffered like this, uh, then there's an expectation even that we get to suffer this way until one day things are made right. So that's my hope. So one of the first people I asked this week, this question, and was all week thinking about this answer, was our friend, Sarah Nelson. Some of you know Sarah. She's our youth ministry coordinator. Um, she's fantastic. Sarah's a person who I am like incredibly thankful for as my own daughters get to sit with her and learn from her as all, of, all the youth here at, at Hope as she leads our youth ministry. Uh, she's one, and after you hear things like this, you're like, I'm thankful that that's the woman who uh, is encouraging our kids. I asked Sarah, we were actually both having trouble making our computers print. So we were in this We were suffering. (laughs) We we got a new copy machine, I hope, which is very exciting. I love copy machines, but we could not get the drivers to work on our computers. And we were sitting there both frustrated with our, um, it was not drawing us closer to Jesus. We were frustrated and angry. And I said, hey, since we're sitting here suffering, how do you, how would you say the gospel's changed your suffering? And knowing a lot of her story, uh, I've seen it in her. And she said this great thing. She said, the gospel changed my suffering from something I avoided, suffering, to something I lamented. And she clarified that she, later. She said, like lamenting is saying like, this is real and it hurts and it's really hard. I'm not avoiding you. It, you're real. Like almost embracing, like it's happening. She said something I avoided to something I lamented, something I could endure. Said for many years, I thought I can't, I can't get through this. And now I feel like I can endure it. From, from doing it alone to suffering with God and, and his people, not his people, that was my error, not her. She didn't say is people. Um, this is great. Just this alone, right? Is worth the ticket today. It's ch- the gospel changes us from something that I would avoid, spend actually maybe a lot of time avoiding. I know in my life, how much of my day is spent just to avoid something that could be painful to something that I can lament. I can just say, yeah, this is real. This hurts. And something that I, I can endure. And from doing it alone to doing it with God and with people. That alone, right, is, is a huge change. I'm not, I'm not just alone suffering in this. Even I don't even want people to know I'm suffering because that, that might expose me. That might make me look I don't know, weaker, less successful. Some might go like, man, if they're suffering from that, I mean, who knows what else they're not good at or can they even do their thing or their job? So I was really encouraged by this. And this led me to a few passages I want to encourage you with. Why would the gospel do this? Why would Sarah's life be changed in this way just by understanding the gospel? How could suffering change? So a few things just to share. There's a lot to talk about. Suffering could be like a 10-week series we could do about all kinds of suffering. But here's some things I think could be helpful. This is from Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? This is This is the same gospel we hear over and over throughout scripture. This peace that is brought to us because Jesus would suffer for us. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So through him, we have obtained this access. So faith in him. I believe that Jesus has done this work. He is the suffering servant. He did go to the cross and die. He suffered this way. He rose from the dead. Yes, I believe that's true. And it's true, and because of that, I have a hope. I have a hope. So because of the gospel, right? I just want to, that's what Romans, beginning here, Romans 5 is saying. And then it says, not only that, that's true, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is, a pretty, this is a passage that I would just easily read over and go, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sufferings can help us be better, right? Like if it doesn't kill me, it'll make me stronger kind of thing. Look at the wording here. Not only that, we rejoice in our suffering. I don't just go like, okay, I'll, I'll get through it, whatever. I can get, it's not fun, but it's gonna make me stronger. I'm gonna rejoice in it while I'm in it because I know that as that happens, it's gonna produce this endurance in me, this patient, patient suffering, and this endurance is gonna change who I am. And that person I am is gonna become a much more hopeful person. And then it ends again by reminding us of the gospel. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sin- sinners, Christ died for us. Another reminder of our suffering servant, right? He didn't die because you were awesome. He was like, man, you guys are so good to me. I'll take this one. I'll die this time. We were not good. And he was willing to die for us and suffer for us. And so these two things, right? This gospel changes how we look. Oh, that's supposed to be on hope, not through that changes this. <laughs> Those gospel truths, right? In orange, that were justified by faith, that we have peace with God, that's obtained through faith from grace as gift, right? Basic gospel, good, good gospel that we need to hear over and over. Christ died for us, ungodly people. While we were sinners, the, sur- the suffering servant would come, produces in us hope. That's what changes. That's what changes our suffering is hope. We are now people who are hopeful even while we suffer. We can be people who are joyful here in Scripture even while we're sorrowful because we know this isn't it. We know this isn't the end. This is actually described in another way that, that, I, that really has been helpful to me in First Peter. It's described as kind of this fiery furnace that re, refines us like gold is refined. A real basic, I'm sure I'll get this a little wrong, but I'm not a professional gold refiner. But when you're refining gold or metal, you heat it up a lot and then it burns off all these impurities. It burns off all of these other things uh, that aren't gold, and it refines the gold down so you got just the gold left, right? So you're not getting like kind of gold. You're not getting fake gold. You're getting real deal gold. If I ever buy gold, I have no idea. Whatever they tell me, I'm like, oh, cool. 14 karat. that sounds great. And then I just give them my money. And then they could just have painted it gold, I don't know. But real gold, when you're refining it, You're burning off all these other things so that you get the the pure gold. You get the real refined, the actual valuable thing that's gold. In 1 Peter, we hear about this and even says, uh, this is to get down to like refining your faith. I think this is what suffering does. Suffering refines our hope. Even better than gold is this hope that we have. It, it burns away all of our hopes that are not the hope, that aren't Jesus. And so as we are refined, as suffering comes in our lives, as we're actually in it, we're not avoiding it, we're not pursuing suffering, but as we're in it and we're saying yes, we're lamenting it, this is real, this is happening, this hurts, it reminds us that we're broken, which, which points us to Jesus, right? Who fixes our brokenness? He does. It reminds us that other people around us are broken. Who fixes them? Jesus, it reminds us that I want this pain to stop. It reminds us one day Jesus is going to come and make it stop. This, this suffering allows us, gives us this gift to remind us that this weakened, broken state isn't the end and that there's one who fixes this. It burns off these hopes Hopes that I have of maybe great power or great peace or joy coming from outside of Jesus. These other things that I put my hope in or maybe even things that help pull me out of suffering. Maybe that's literally like a a substance that just pulls you. You go like, I don't wanna suffer. I'm gonna take this, right? Ingest this, smoke this or whatever it is, right? That I'm gonna get myself out of distracting from this. Or maybe it's something we just get to watch. I just need to, to escape this suffering thing it burns off all those hopes, right? Or maybe even just, I I have enough money or enough power or whatever it is, right? Whatever I'm gonna put my hope in that will rescue me from my suffering, it kind of burns those away. And we just get, in the end, we get this great hope that is the true hope that brings true joy and true peace. And again, over and over reminds us of our suffering servants. So when I meet a friend's grandfather and he says, man, suffering in this way has made me closer to Jesus than ever. It's because all of his hopes that he had and all of his comfortable life that he had got burned away. And now he goes, it's really hard and I'm so thankful. I have hope like I've never had before. I feel this um, as a parent sometimes um, where I feel like I'm in a trying hard moment. I'm in in a place where I feel like I'm suffering and I'm like, what is going on here? I've tried all the techniques I can that I've read about or uh, seen videos on. I've tried the calm voice. I've tried listening, I tried to kneel down and I know it's hard to be a kid. I buy all your food and you just have to hang out. Right, I try it. I try sarcasm, but I feel that anger burning up inside of me. I feel my hope as a, a parent, if I could just have kids who behave then everything will be okay, and then I won't suffer. If my kid just stops annoying me, everything will be okay. If you could just be quiet for a minute, then, then there'll be true peace and no suffering in my life. I, I find that like it wells up and wells up and wells up. Recently, I had this happen and I literally did not have to do it. I had to walk to another room so I didn't say anything or that I shouldn't say. And I said, I don't know what to do, Jesus. You gave me these kids. I don't know what to do. I need you. And I actually said, you're my only hope. <laughs> I like, was, it was one of those days. You're my only hope. It was like a moment where all of my other hopes had burned away. I tried everything. You're my only hope. And it was, it's painful, but truly in that moment, I went, you are my only hope. And you're my kid's only hope. There's something really sweet about that. There's something about being, Frustrated and suffering. Brendan Manning says it like this: May all your expectations be frustrated, may all your plans be thwarted, may all your desires be withered into nothingness, that you may experience the powerlessness and poverty of a child, and sing and dance in the love of God, who is the Father, Son, and Spirit. Just just draws us to a place of, of need, of, of poverty and powerlessness. That could turn into bitterness and a lot of anger. And I'd pray over time that would cause endurance and character and ultimately great hope in us. That suffering allows us to only be more aware of our need for Jesus and love him even more. Another thing that happened this week to me was uh, we had the opportunity to go uh, to Michaela and Nathan's wedding on the North Shore. We haven't really hung out as a family up there. It It was pretty magical and We stayed at a cabin. We just were trying to find a random cabin. I was unaware of how hard it is to find somewhere to stay. Apparently, the North Shore is popular here in Minnesota. (laughs) And weeks before, you can't get anywhere. Thankfully, we found a place. It was a little set of cottages that this couple had uh, bought and kind of restored. They were awesome. And they were called the Bell Sheep. It was called the Bell Sheep Homestead. And I thought, that's a weird name. Maybe their name's Bell or Bell Sheep. And we got there and I'm literally praying. I'm reading like, okay, how, how how do I help our church think about suffering? And I read, we open their little like, welcome to the bell sheep homestead. You know, here's the Airbnb rules and whatever. And uh, and they have a, a little story. They're like, this is why we're called bell sheep. I don't know how much this is true, but I, the parable, this story is, is perfect. It's a story of a shepherd who has a sheep who continues to go wayward. The sheep, continues to run after other things and other people and other sheep and continues to get hurt. Breaks its leg, gets all like nasty matted up, gets the sheep dreadlocks, you know, and eats stuff it shouldn't. Gets really th- gets really dehydrated, can't find water. And the, sh- the shepherd continues to draw that sheep back and draw that sheep back and the sheep comes with broken leg and he has to carry the sheep for a period but then the sheep decides to go off and over and over this happens and the sheep eventually over time kind of wanders off less because each time they wander off, they experience suffering and brokenness from other sheep and from other things. It's kind of like they go to these other hopes, right? And, and then the shepherd grabs them again and holds them and cares for them and takes the, the dreadlocks out of its fur and cleans it. And over time, the sheep realizes through all this suffering that the shepherd has never left them and that cares for them. And actually their only hope in living and having a good life is to stick with the shepherd. And so the sheep sticks with the shepherd. And over time, the sheep becomes loyal and with the shepherd and, and lives a really good life. It's cared for, it's loved. And so eventually the shepherd puts a bell on the sheep to indicate this is a, 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 loyal, a loyal sheep. The sheep is, gonna be, is with me. And the bell indicates as the bell rings each time as the sheep walks that I'm a sheep who's realized that this shepherd's all I got. And in the process, the bell then becomes this kind of beacon for the rest of the sheep. And the rest of the sheep begin to follow this sheep. And so that sheep starts, uh, ultimately brings the rest of the sheep to the shepherd knowing, hey, guys, this is the one who cares for us, who loves us, who brings life to us. Stop doing your other stuff. Come here. And so that sheep leads the other sheep. Swords the Shepherd. And so they, they named their cottage after bell sheep because they're like, because they wanted, that's the kind of life they wanted. They wanted to be a life that was dependent on the shepherd and that would ring the bell that others would know there's a good shepherd that loves them and cares for them. I thought, what a cool thing, right? Like a, we're just staying at this random place and I'm so encouraged by this story in their little pamphlet it reminds me of Second Corinthians. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. There's this image, right, of these clay pots, this image of a of, uh, of brokenness, of that we're just these, these weak clay pots that would be broken unless, unless there's this all-surpassing power, this one who keeps them alive, keeps them together, holds them heals them, fixes them. And so not only is suffering an opportunity for us to rejoice in it because it brings great hope, but it's also an opportunity to show off really a mission, right? That there's a God who is all powerful, really to kind of, in a sense, ring a bell to say, hey, there is one who cares for us, who keeps us together, who fixes us, even as we suffer, even as we break. This passage ends with this, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet in, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. So need this past passage in 2 Corinthians reminding us, uh, this is how God's kingdom works, right? This strength, comes as we suffer knowing that God is building us and restoring us and ultimately, right, building that hope within us that right now the current struggle, the current suffering is only bringing great hope to us and us closer to our good shepherd. And so as we just think about all those things, a few things, as I just made a list this week, hey, what does the gospel do? What does it bring us from as we think about suffering and what does it bring us to? So here's a few, right, just as we look, At these things. It it brings me from someone who might avoid or dismiss or even ignore suffering to someone who could endure suffering, even rejoice over suffering. Suffering can actually be hope inducing. I don't know if that's a, I made that word up, but I think it's a word. It can actually, right? It can actually build hope in us. If I want to become a more hopeful person, suffering actually changes that in me as I continue to cling to the one that is truly my hope. Hope Uh, suffering uh, can bring us, the gospel brings us from being alone or maybe even ignored or even the only way out of suffering is our own strength to a place where we do it with one another and we're willing to share it. And it actually humbles us that I can say to a friend uh, and they say, how are you doing? I can say, not great. And they go, oh, well, cool, right? No, they can say, I'm with you. What's going on? That sounds really hard. They can lament with us. They can care for us. They can remind us that God is good, that he loves us and even encourage us in this hope that we have. I, went, I can go from a place of suffering feeling permanent or even that my future is this. This is who I am. My future to understanding this suffering is temporary. That is a now but not always kind of thing. As I know the gospel, I know that Jesus will come back and he says, I'm making all things new. It says in Revelation, these things won't be a thing. And so I can look to that future hope. I go from an an unwanted identity. How often is our suffering how we identify ourselves, even how we might identify another person? That's the guy who's got that thing going on. Instead, we get to be identified with Christ. So our suffering, actually, we get to be identified with his suffering, but really our identity comes from him and no longer just our brokenness. Also, I love this. This has encouraged me so much. The gospel changes my mission in life from being just end suffering to a mission of bearing the image of the one who ends suffering. That alone, right, could, would change my week. If I went, okay, my goal this week isn't just to end this pain, but my mission now is that I get to bear, bear witness and bear the image of this one who ends suffering. As I asked some of you a few things that were really helpful in this, uh, a friend sent me this. This is from the uh, Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Uh, they recently just asked um, people, what, was, what has helped you endure in the midst of depression? One of the things that many people, many of us even in this room, suffer from every day. They said they had 365 people respond to them. What's helped them in their suffering? And these are the things, I said almost all of them had the same things. It's a daily time in scripture, supplemented by something spiritually good. It reminded them who God is, where their hope lies. Time in prayer, just time with God. And with others in prayer was, was part of that. Time with people who understand and care well. Are you seeing here, there's like the gospel in community. And they shared just wise routines. They meant just how do you continue to build time in your life so you keep doing things. Uh, they share in the, in the article. I'll share this this week in our, our weekly update, just how important it is to not just sit and consider your suffering, but to keep moving um, even in it. This is a little quote from this this uh, uh, research they had. It said, one person wrote, I ruminate on things that are so unhelpful. Those ruminations were about how God was displeased with me, but those who endure work hard to not, not give these questions or their answers the last word. Instead, they turn to Jesus because they have a faint memory that he loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And they know they will not find life anywhere else. Right? It's being refined over and over and over, burning away our hopes that don't bring life to the one who brings life. We're actually even about, I'm gonna welcome the band back up. We're about to sing some songs. And many of the hymns we sing share these same truths, right? Right? All unholy and unclean, I'm weighted by my sin. I feel the suffering on thy mercy I rely. Give me Christ or else I die. My hope for life is in Christ. Again, we get to look to him. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. I want a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. This image of the believing and knowing the gospel and a great hope that we have and blessings as we do this together. Another hope sir said, I can share that I'm suffering. I asked just how, well, how do you think about suffering? I can share that I'm suffering and know people listen, care, and pray. Where this, this person mentioned, uh, they're talking about their small group. They said, the one of the things that helps me my suffering is my small group because I can share that I'm suffering and know people listen, they care, and they pray. They are with me, reminding me of Jesus. The hardest part is being honest about my suffering. Maybe you feel connected to that. He said, it's hard. I I don't want to share it because I think they're going to view me differently. And then I do share it. And I'm so thankful that I share it. And lastly, there's a a person at Hope who suffers kind of chronically. They probably will always suffer with some very, very hard physical pain. And I was with her once and she asked how I was doing. And I always feel weird saying how I'm doing. because I'm like, oh, my kids were hard today. You know, And they're like, I have terrible pain all day. I can hardly move. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't, can I share that I suffer? And she really wants to know. I wanna know how you're suffering. How are you doing? How can I pray? And I said, so, some suffering that I had. I said, hey, now this has been really hard. And I, and I noticed this over and over and over as I shared with her as she asked for you know, months as we, we got to know each other. She'd always say a similar thing. She'd always say, isn't it good that Jesus will return and make everything new? I started noticing she never told me how to end my suffering. She only would remind me that Jesus is coming to make everything new. I thought, you are a woman, I don't know, if, I don't know many people who suffer in the way you do, like physically with pain. And there's like a hope in you uh, that's been refined in you. Um, that even when you're with me, instead of just saying, how can I help you get out of this pain you're currently having? You remind me of the great hope That's far greater gift to me than you just helping me out of this pain. Hey, I'll watch your kids for an afternoon so you can not have to you know, feel uncomfortable. Instead, isn't it good that Jesus will return and make everything new? That's our hope today, friends. Uh, As we consider this, a few things to think about. We're gonna take some time to reflect on this good news. Uh, We do that here at Hope by reminding ourselves of this great uh, moment in history where Jesus suffered on a cross and died and rose for us. And we do that a few ways. So we have communion outside in the hallways um, so that we don't have food and drink in this room. Uh, There's communion out there. That's an opportunity to remember that Jesus' body was broken. His blood was shed, that he suffered uh, and paid that price for us, that our iniquities, our sins were put on him so that we could have peace and our wounds could be healed. That's an opportunity. Also, we have people who just stand in the back of the room who want to pray for you, that you can walk up and say, this is really hard right now. And they wanna pray for you, they wanna listen, they wanna care for you. And so please take advantage of that also. And also we're gonna be singing some songs, together remembering this good, good God who suffered for us, who loves us, and the great hope that we have uh, for him. So a few things to consider too, as you just sit, maybe you wanna sit and just uh, think about these things. Do you know that the King of Kings suffered for our sins? Maybe just consider what trials or suffering or brokenness that you're experiencing. Might just be an opportunity to say, God, I, I need you. It's okay. Maybe you've been feeling like you're hiding. Even like I don't want to bother God with this (laughs) thing. It's an opportunity just to give that to Him. Consider how do you suffer and who suffers with you, and what does your suffering say to the people around you? It says a lot. And so consider that how God works in you. Let me pray for us, and we're going to worship our good, good King together. Lord, thank you for your goodness your kindness that you would give yourself for us. Us, those who are sinners have turned from you to make our names great, but you're willing to suffer for us. And I pray as we suffer each day, that it would cause us to cling to you, that you would refine us, that our hopes that are not of you would burn away and that we'd find great joy and hope even in the midst of really hard things. And that people would see that. They'd say, "What? how is that happening? And they would know you because of how you're using us in our suffering. I love you, Lord. I also pray right now for courage for people who are uh, don't want to share their suffering. That right now you could give boldness that they would be willing to share. Maybe even right now in our service to share with uh, a new friend in the back that would pray and care for them. We love you, Lord. You're really good to us. We pray this in your good name. Amen.